From Washington, this is the CQ Budget Podcast, your leading Capitol Hill source on how Congress allocates federal taxpayer dollars. I'm David Lerman, your budget tracker and editor of the CQ Budget Newsletter, and we finally have a spending and tax deal, just in time for the last edition of our podcast until the new year. It's nearly four months late, but congressional leaders negotiated a $1.4 trillion spending package with the Trump administration for the current fiscal year. And in some late-night bargaining, they also agreed to a package of tax breaks. And here to tell us what it all means again is Peter Cohn, the budget and tax editor at CQ Roll Call. Welcome back, Pete. Good to be here. Thanks. So give us some of the highlights here. It's a big package, but, but both parties can claim several victories here, right? Yeah, and I think, you know, one major takeaway from all this is that, you know, we have clearly entered the era where deficits do not matter right. anymore. I mean, I think we've been there for a while, but this really just cements it. I mean, the uh, the spending levels in the appropriations package had already been pre-negotiated, so that's not any kind of big surprise. But with the addition of all the tax provisions and some other items that they added, relief for coal miners— uh, retired coal miners and and some healthcare programs that needed funding. I mean, we're talking about easily over four hundred billion dollars in uh, new new in pro- additional yeah in in additional tech- borrowing right in in additional now most of that is is uh, permanent repeal of the um, of Obamacare three, yeah three tax credits uh, yeah three big ones that really nobody on either side of the aisle liked much to begin with right. Um, Republicans didn't like them a little more than Democrats, but the so-called Cadillac tax on high-cost insurance plans, right. that had huge opposition among the, among labor unions and a lot of Democrats as well. But medical device tax, you had a lot of Democrats from areas with big employers that, that uh, make these products who oppose that tax. So, I mean, you know, we haven't seen all the numbers uh, racked up yet, but it's going to get over $400 billion. Uh, in over 10 deficit. years. But yeah. that's a big revenue drain that really we didn't see coming. No, we didn't until see, just recently, right? I mean, we you know we thought they would probably do a kind of very skinny tax deal that had a couple of that had provisions basically that had either already expired or were about to maybe pushed out by a year, which most of them still got. So the the tax deal that emerged late last night, uh, just around midnight, right. uh, as at, we tape on Tuesday morning, yeah, right. Um, they reached the, the very late Monday evening. They they reached this tax deal, and uh, you know that piece of it was um, just sort of the traditional tax extenders. Uh, a couple of them got r- renewed through 2022. Most of them got got pushed out uh, just through the end of next year, including several that have been expired since since uh, 2018. So now people can go back and, and file amended returns and claim those breaks. Um, but, you know, that was a hard-fought compromise that I think a lot of people were wondering, well, wait a second, is this going to come together at all? Are these, you know, businesses and individuals who were affected by these uh, provisions, they're all going to have to wait until next year when maybe they, they figure out some kind of a, a, of yeah. a deal. There was a fear the whole um, thing would collapse, right, on a, these yeah, tax breaks. There was a, definitely a feel, fear that the whole thing would collapse. Because, Repu- because Republicans wanted sort of simple extensions and Democrats were pushing for these broader tax credits for the working poor. Right. And so there was a big disconnect there. Yeah. Speaker Pelosi went into the negotiations really, uh, you know, kind of hardcore pushing for these expansions of earned income tax credits and child tax credits. Uh, for people that uh, don't earn enough income to have their tax liability fully offset by these credits, so you got to right. you got to have these these refundable credits that are essentially checks cut by the treasury to people who don't earn enough to actually uh, ha- have that offset their their uh, taxable income. Um, but she lost that fight. She lost that fight, but 
you know, I think uh, at the end of the day, she wanted a lot in this deal, particularly for uh, House members who are vulnerable in their re-election fights in, in 2020. So I think that kind of outweighed, took some of the sting out of losing out on these refundable credits for the working poor. Um, and, uh, you know, at the end of the day, they, they go in touting all of these wins throughout all of the spending bills, throughout the tax package, on the health care uh, provisions. I mean, there's some big, big, big stuff in this bill. I mean, they just raised the, t- the minimum age to, to, buy, to purchase tobacco to 21. Right. I mean, that's, you know, that's supported on both sides of the aisle, but definitely public health advocates for years have been pushing that kind of a policy. Democrats did have some victories, though, because they had the first, we're now seeing the first federal funding for gun violence research in over 20 years. That was a big deal to them. Yep. Yeah. Uh, and a strong EPA budget, we should point out, that averts the Trump proposed cuts in there. And they're also touting the money for election security that Republicans had resisted. Right. Yeah. Uh, I mean, so they, they have several wins they can point to. A- absolutely. I mean, both both sides have a lot of wins they can point to. I right. Guess. I mean, pay raises for both military uh, and civilian federal employees at 3.1%, you know, parity between the federal work f- workforce for uniformed uh, folks and, and civilians. That's, that's a huge win for Democrats, particularly in, in the kind of this D.C., Maryland, Virginia area uh, and, and other parts of the country as well. Uh, and that's the biggest pay raise for federal workers, civilian workers in, I think, over a decade. Um, you know, so there, there's definitely and of a lot. course, Republicans have big wins for big increase in defense and in homeland security. Right. So they can both point to things, and that's how you, that is all, always how you make a deal. Exactly. Now, you know, are you going to get sniping at this deal from the, from the far left and the far right? Absolutely. Right. You know, there's always going to be things that the sort of the, the edges of the parties don't, don't like, but, you know, the vast majority of members in, in the sort of the great big, you know, I don't want, I don't know if I'd call it a middle. I'm not sure the middle exists anymore, but the kind of the, the, uh, you know, the, the 80% of the, uh, um, electorate, you know, are, there's things in this, in this deal for, for, you know, a, a huge portion of the, of the population and, it, you know, it, it should sail through. But let, and we, let's just address the border wall, Pete, because my sense is they resolved this basically because they just got tired of fighting about it. <laughs> There's sort of an exha- exhaustion factor that's set in here that that uh, they just sort of decided to give yeah. up and keep everything on the oh, look, status quo. I mean, uh, look, let's let's just let's why don't we just put all our cards on the table here and let's just say the wall is a symbol. Okay, sure. The president, it's an applause line at rallies. You know, the the border security professionals will all all tell you that. Um, you know, we're we're fine having a a, a wide variety of uh, barriers plus technology, plus aerial reconnaissance, border patrol agents, things like that. You, you have enough of that, you're going to deter illegal immigration. It doesn't have to be a concrete wall paid for by Mexico. Um, you know, and, and I think everybody, even the president, understands that. So you know, at the beginning of the year, this past year, when we, we got out of this 35-day government shutdown, longest in, in, yeah. in modern history. This was the issue that triggered that a year ago. Right. Now, the way they got out of that was Trump said, okay, I'm going to use my emergency powers under 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 laws uh, enacted decades ago, and I'm going to say, I'm going to take money that had been appropriated but not spent in other areas, primarily uh, at the Department of Defense, and I'm going to move that to the wall project. Uh, now, everybody, you know, left and right, cried foul over this saying, you know, you how dare you steal that money? Right. Um, you know, but lo and behold, it's been a really tough slog just to build 
just to, to take any of that money and use it to build wall, for example, in areas where there's a lot of private landowners who right. don't, who are hesitant to give up that land to build a wall that, you know, they don't necessarily agree with and, and it's right through their property. You know, a lot of, uh, there's nimbyism and lots of things going on here. And then, of course, it's been held up in court. So, you know, at the end of the day, not much of this money is being spent uh, on the wall. Uh, that was already appropriated. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and now they are, they're certainly spending money on wall. They built something like 80 miles. Yeah. And they're going to, they have contracts in place to build, I think, I don't know, 60, 70 more. Um, and there will be barriers built, no question about it, including under this deal, which actually loosens up some of the restrictions that have been placed on where Customs and Border Protection could put wall uh, in the previous year's uh, appropriations bill, the deal that got out of the, the shutdown uh, at the beginning yeah. of this year. And Republicans did preserve the president's authority here to transfer money from other accounts. Yes. So he can yes. point to that, even though he only got about $1.4 billion for the wall and he wanted right. like over, They're gonna eight, keep, yeah. I mean, over $8 billion. So Yeah, the wall will get barriers and, and you know, quote-unquote wall will continue to be built in certain places probably over the next couple of years, probably not not nearly to the extent advertised by the administration, but, you know, also probably a lot more than Democrats would like to acknowledge. And, you know, and that that really suits both sides at the end of the day. Uh, any other surprises in here for you? Um, we did also mention there was a rescue of coal miners' pensions. That was another big thing that could add billions of dollars in yeah, cost. Yeah, I think that's going to add about $4 billion. It's not a massive cost when you consider all the other things that were added on there. But that provision had huge uh, support from coal mining states. Yeah. Um, you know, West Virginia in particular, Senator Joe Manchin, a Democrat, and Republican Shelley Moore Capito spearheaded that in the Senate. Uh, they got Mitch McConnell, obviously the, the you know, very powerful guy from Kentucky, Republican leader in the Senate, um, to— to sign on, he's got a lot of retired coal miners in, in his uh, part of the part of the country. Um, so you know that was probably a fait accompli that that was going to get into the any any final package uh, at the end of the year. I mean, there's big package of retirement savings policy that sailed through the House over the summer, but got held up over various little uh, unrelated issues in the Senate, uh, including uh, pension funding relief for uh, small family-owned newspapers. Uh, that was held up for a while by by senators who thought, well, wait a second, why are the newspaper why are these just these newspapers getting special treatment? Um, and so, you know, at the end of the year, when you have a giant multi you know thousand page package like this, it's a lot easier just to jam stuff in there that couldn't get through on its own, right. because because any senator has the power to gum up the works in that chamber. So, balling it all together, you're able to kind of steamroll all of the disparate objections and. You know, as, as long as you have 60 votes. If you have 60 votes, you can pretty much do anything. And because it's all balled up together and you can get all these extra deals and, and extra spending, this is why the president has vowed never to sign another one of these mammoth omnibus packages, which Congress is hoping to avoid by pretending it's two packages and splitting them up. <laughs> exactly, right. <laughs> and passing it at the same said, time anyway. They said, well, we said we wouldn't do a, a big, you know, yeah. a one-bill package. Uh, so we'll, uh, we'll, we'll do two and, uh, you know, Hey, that, that meets their promise. And if it makes them feel better then uh, then go for it. And so we finally wrapped up at the end of the year. I'm wondering what, what lies in store for us next year. Obviously healthcare costs are still a major concern. We're still going to see legislation to rein in healthcare costs and deal with prescription drug prices. Yeah. So they, uh, they set this kind of Memorial day deadline. They actually, they did these temporary extensions, 
of some of these healthcare, so-called healthcare extenders, like that are very popular, like community health centers. And they sort of, they, they extended those out to May, I think, 22nd to create pressure for a deal on some of the things that fell by the wayside in this last session, like legislation to reduce the cost of prescription drugs and to do something about this surprise billing issue, which has, you know, uh, huge support to do something about these circumstances where you go to the doctor, you go to the hospital and some, you see some specialist and that, you know, you didn't really choose. And it turns out they're out of network and you get hit with a big bill. So, you know, that got, uh, messed up by some jurisdictional issues with different committees in the house and heavy, heavy lobbying by some of the medical providers, uh, to so preserve they want their, to tackle that surprise billing issue next year. Surprise billing, prescription drug costs. Yeah. I mean, President Trump has been very vocal about wanting about prescription drug pricing being one of the the key things he wants to get done. That and infrastructure and a few and a few other things. Uh, you know, uh, the the trade deal, which will get done at the beginning of next year. Yeah, uh, with Mexico and Canada, uh, and maybe some other trade deals that are in the works. But you know, these are are two of the things that Trump has been very vocal that he actually wants to get done and work with the Democrats on. Now, it is a campaign year, an election year. It's President Trump's own re-election re year. So it's very difficult to see the Democrats, you know, handing him any of these victories on a silver platter, even though it might help some of their members uh, in the 2020 uh, campaign. So it's going to be, we're probably looking at a holding pattern for a lot of stuff, a lot, of, a lot more temporary extensions. You know, the spending bills will wait till after the election. I mean, I think Senator Shelby has already been vocal. He's already admitted that. that We're looking not, at another stopgap yeah. funding I measure. I mean, yeah. The Senate, when the chairman of the Senate Appropriations Committee says already, you know, we're not getting our spending bills done on time next year, yeah. that's a pretty good indicator. So, you know, it's going to be a lot of holding pattern um, on a lot of these issues next year. It's possible something gets done on prescription drugs and surprise billing, but, um, you know, there's going to be a lot of reasons why the Dems won't want to give Trump that win. And the focus turns to the election, so it's hard to do big stuff in appropriations at the same time. No, I mean, you know, if if anything, they will they will move. I, I'm sure they will try to. They will. Uh, they have their numbers already. The the budget deal from this past July <coughs> set the spending. Yeah, they, we do have spending limits for next year. Right. So you got the spending limits. Right. They can get going sooner. Last if this past year, they were held up for months because they didn't actually know what the numbers were going to be. Right. Uh, so they have their numbers already. So that's good. That's that's on the positive side. The negative side, it is a campaign year. You're going to have people disappearing from from the Senate and the House. Um, you know, you've got a, a number of senators who are still running for president. Um, you know, you've got a lot of people who are going to want to be out on the campaign trail. But you do have an opportunity for using the appropriations process for a lot of political votes and really demonstrating that, you know, you are delivering for your constituents. So there's going to be a lot of members who are facing tough races who are going to be wanting to have these some of these votes on spending bills to say, hey, look, I got this amendment and I'm going to put out a press release about it and I'm going to let everybody know that, you know, even though this may not be passing tomorrow, you know, being signed into law, you know, this is going to be on the table and I'm going to deliver this win for you, uh, you know, when we eventually get these bills done. Okay. So fiscal 2020 appropriations are done or about to be. And we'll see what the new year brings. Just a reminder, President Trump's fiscal 2021 budget is due in less than two months. So not long to go. That does it for us today. If you have any questions or comments about our podcast, we'd love to hear from you. Drop us an email, cqpodcast at cqrollcall.com. The CQ Budget Podcast is produced by CQ Roll Call, a leader in nonpartisan political and policy news and analysis for more than 70 years. And CQ Roll Call is part of Fiscal Note, 
a global technology and media company. My thanks again to Peter Cohn, our budget and tax editor, for joining me. Thanks, Pete. Thanks, David. And I would just point out also that, you know, you got, we got to remember that nothing is over until it's over. We still got a couple more days. Uh, the Senate's got to, you know, the Senate's got to pass this. Sure. The president's got to sign it. And, you know, you just can't take anything to the bank if, in, and in if, this if environment. This, if, this, if this package goes down in flames, we might want to, we might be back for a special yeah, podcast well, uh, exactly. edition. So, we, yeah. so stay tuned. We'll see what happens. But thank you all for listening. I'm David Lerman, your budget tracker. We think this will be the last podcast of 2019, but you can stay up to date by subscribing to the CQ Budget Newsletter. Be sure to subscribe to this podcast. You can find us on Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, NPR One, or just Google the phrase CQ Budget Podcast. And we'll be back the first week of January. Until then, we want to wish everyone happy holidays and a happy new year.